And welcome into a new episode of American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Thanks for joining us today. Well, as we take a look at the weather forecast here for the week ahead, I know a lot of folks are wondering when or how long a potential warm-up could last as we have been freezing underneath this polar vortex as of late. Well, here to give us the details on a potential warm-up, and the forecast for the week ahead in the U.S. and South America. Eric Snodgrass, Principal Atmospheric Scientist with Nutrient Ag Solutions, joins us. Eric, thanks for being here. So give us a rundown. Are we going to see a warm-up this week? Is the cold weather done with? Yeah, it's done. And uh, But what, what came through was really cold. Parts of the plains, when you look at like the 11th through the 21st of January, there's parts of Kansas and Nebraska that just had their warmest such stretch of, or excuse me, <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself, their coldest such stretch of days. Uh, when you look back throughout history, 132 years worth of data, we had a lot of ground in there. Now, thankfully, that ground was covered in snow, but it, it was, was really cold for the last uh, several days. So it's out. But what's interesting about it is that what's left over uh, is kind of setting up a pretty nasty event in the Midwest right now. But we're going to go over for a, a mild stretch of days for 15, maybe 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 20 days of above normal temperatures overall. So, yeah, get ready. It's going to flip pretty quick. Well, looking at things here this week, I know early in the week, watching an ice storm here kind of looked like it was stretched from Texas up to Illinois with potential yeah. here early in the week. What's What else is on that weather map, including that potential ice storm? Yeah, so I'm, I'm trying to think about this bigger picture, okay? And the reason is, yes, we do have ice that last night spread out of Texas, moved into Arkansas. It's in Missouri today. It's in Illinois today. It's in Indiana, northern Indiana today. And uh, there's a pretty good chance of picking up a tenth of an inch of ice, a quarter of an inch of ice. That's a nasty ice storm in that area. And, uh, and it's, it's going to be, it's going to be rough. We could get some snow on the Northern side of it, maybe in parts of Iowa that's already got snow or, 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 or Wisconsin or Michigan that already has some snow on the ground. But overall, there's a pretty massive mild push of air coming in behind this. So it's a lot of rain that's going to be following this. Now, when I think about all that, it's just about the return of the moisture into some really dry air, the Mississippi basin. And I also just want to mention something here. I know we don't often talk about the Western United States in our videos, but this ice storm that's coming through, if you're going to compare it to one that we had last week in the Pacific Northwest, well, parts of the Willamette Valley in Oregon, getting at the Columbia Basin between Oregon and Washington, the ice storm they had last week, where I'm talking about a tenth to two tenths of an inch here in the Midwest, and parts of the Mid-South, they had some places there over a half inch of ice accumulation, maybe our nation's first billion dollar weather disaster of 2024. So yeah, that's what it is. But you asked the question, what does it all mean? It means moisture coming in. And the only place I don't see the moisture coming in is gonna be in the Western Plains, the Northern Plains and the Canadian Prairie. They're gonna go mild, but they're certainly not gonna have much moisture. But that river right by you, the Mississippi, it came up last week alone, it came up almost 18 feet in depth. So. We got to look at this and put a net plus on it, even though right now winter, we're not really enjoying it. Yeah, I got to think that all of this moisture and the, and the warming temperatures, uh, it could make things a little mucky in some spots, but have to think that some of this is going to make its way into the soil, into the river system and be pretty beneficial here uh, to help out with some of those droughty areas in parts of the country, Eric. It is. And to be honest, I hate to say it, but sometimes when I just get into winter, my mindset is what is what what is the setup for summer? What is the setup for spring? 
because that's this is a time of year where while we're waiting, we don't have crop in the ground, we need to see the right sequence of events setting us up so that we're not going into a growing season with a few strikes against us. So it's gross right now, and it is going to be mucky and muddy, and, and, and that snow is going to melt. But I just think about it all as kind of being money in the bank. Put it down into that soil, let it soak in, recover the soil moisture losses we've experienced for the last few years, and uh, get us in better shape for the Midwest. And, and, you know, you mentioned summer. I mean, looking at some of that longer range data here, um, any notes? I know you've been looking through some new data. I don't know how far that goes out, Eric, but talk to me about some of that data you've been looking at lately. You know, it'll go out as far as you want. It's just, it gets terrible <laughs> very quickly. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's uh, it's one of those things where it, it's kind of funny you bring that up, Jesse, because I often get forwarded to me people that work in agriculture that write newsletters about, you know, their projections of things. And, and nearly all of them have some sort of, they paint a bad scenario. They're always disaster. It's always, oh, I know when the next black swan's coming and that, that's just, that's not sound science. That's pseudoscience. Okay. So they often will post these maps of these forecast videos and they're not, we know in the community not to trust them, but they put doubt in our minds. They make us worry about things. Okay, all of that is to say that this pace at which El Nino collapses is going to be critical for the upcoming spring and summer. What I think right now is if there's an area that is risky going into the, I'm talking about risk for drought, it's going to be parts of the Western Plains. I think from Texas mm -hmm. all the way up to Montana. That's my area that I'm most concerned about right now. And it's only because history would say after El Nino's peak and they fade in spring and summer, that's the drought area that tends to show up first. So I'll be watching for that. That I think could be the top, the top of mind thing for me going forward. All right, let's turn our attention to South America. Some of the latest there. I know we've been watching uh, lack of rain in parts of Brazil, but then more rain now in the forecast could maybe delay some soybean harvest potential. Argentina's been looking okay. Uh, what's the latest you're seeing in Brazil and Argentina right now, Eric? Well, last week when I was in Kentucky, I got to talk with an Argentine grower and he was smiling. He says, this is the best weather we've seen in a very long time. Of course, he's comparing it to the drought last year. They're going to be dry for the next 10 days, but nobody cares. There's plenty of moisture and the temperatures are cool. It's like that, you know, it's like getting into August for us and it's a high of 80. You know, who cares mm -hmm. if it's dry? We're not stressing the crop there. Uh, but the wetter conditions to the north, that'll be the top of mind thing for me because we're going to be we're supposed to be making between now and the end of February, almost all of the harvest progress for the first crop of soybeans. And if it's wet in that area and stays wet in that area, that's going to slow that down. Now, that's been something I've been worried about for a while. Still, there's a signal in the models. Some of them want to keep it wet all through February. So how does that slow down harvest, slow down planting? And do we really run the risk of the monsoon shutting off early in April? Uh, anything else that you're watching South America wise that you want to keep an eye on or, or anything else around the world here as we uh, look to wrap things up today, Eric, uh, what else is top of mind for you here this week? We mentioned that the wetter conditions stick around in South America, but I think one of the most important things is that globally, this El Nino, normally an El Nino makes it really dry in Australia. They've got a tropical cyclone going down the West Coast, a tropical cyclone going down the East Coast. I mean, it's extremely wet right now in Australia and uh, in parts of Australia. And that that's very uncharacteristic of El Nino. So I think about this and it makes me just wonder how El Nino-like can things continue through uh, spring and summer? And I don't know that it's going to be the dominant factor going forward.
Well, we appreciate the time. Eric Snodgrass with Nutrien joining us here on American Ag Today. I'm Jesse Allen.